welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Whew, that, I like that song a lot. Um, just want to encourage you, if you're here today, your first time, your visitor, your guest, um, our heart more than anything else is we want to be a presence-based people. We want the presence of Jesus um, we want to go after him with all we are. We make no apologies for that. Um, the word of the Lord is our guide in all things. It's not just okay stories. It is the truth, absolutely. Amen, church? And so um, if you're with us today, we want you to know that we believe that Jesus can set you free wherever you're at. Never received him before, dealing with some things in your life. Um, that's our heartbeat today. And so um, just excited that you guys are, are with us today. I did want to throw out to you as you come in the next few weeks, um, we've got these little stickers that we made up. I think like one says hugger, one says handshaker, one says fist bumper, one may even say avoider. I don't really know if that's uh, what it says. But anyways, you can put one of those on if, if you need a little bit more interaction than, than, than some. Uh, we're doing our best to keep social distancing as, as we can. <laughs> uh, but uh, we also know that the Lord created us to, to be together as well. And so it's that fine balance of both. And, and so just want to honor you guys in that. But you're more than welcome to put a sticker on it if you want. Or we may put one on your back. I don't know. It just depends. So um, I want to bring Jacob up here. Uh, we've got our high school students getting ready to go to camp. And, and want to pray over them today. Jacob just got back from middle school camp on Thursday. So he's ready to go uh, for another week. And, uh, but we, we know that camps are an opportunity for students to encounter the Lord. And uh, so although we're going, sending our high schoolers to camp, we want you to know that our heart is, yes, they build strong relationships and community, but they have an encounter with Jesus. So, Amen. Cool. Yeah, guys, we just got back from middle school camp. And uh, if you've ever been to middle school camp, it's a wide range of things. But it was awesome. Overall, it was awesome. And our kids encountered the Lord, and it was super special. And actually, can we do something really special for one of those kids right now? Today is Robert's birthday. Robert, will you stand up here? Come here. Come here. Come here, buddy. Yeah, this is Robert. He didn't know we were going to have him come up here. But hey, this is what we do at RSM. We clap and we sing Happy Birthday Applebee's style. Okay, so can we do this? Here we go. All right. Now repeat after me. Here we go. You say it's your birthday. Happy, happy birthday. You say it's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Na 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 na. Hey na 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 na. Amen. Yeah. Happy birthday, Robert. How old are you this year? Eleven. Eleven. We're praying eleven is the best year yet. Amen. All right, you can take a seat, bud. But it was seriously awesome. Middle school camp was so fun. Any of my other students, if I find out you have a birthday on a Sunday, watch out. Um, yeah, and so before, before uh, I guess we'll just move right along, but we're going this week for high school camp. We're going to head down to Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Um, just real quick for those of you who are going logistically, be here at 1130 tomorrow. We're going to load the trailer, collect final waivers, final payments, talk rules, and then pray over you, and then we'll send you out. This year, guys, I felt the Lord just stirring something. In, in Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or than you can imagine through you, in you, right? And so that's what this week, I just felt the Lord strongly. Like, He wants to reveal in us, those who are going, how much more. He wants to do things that we can't even fathom 
deep in the hearts of high schoolers this week. So will you just join me in praying that specifically right now? And then if you think of us this week, pray that same thing over us. So Father, thank you for the opportunity to take teenagers to camp this summer. Father, even coming out of a pandemic, something like this is kind of miraculous that it's actually getting to happen. So um, we just know and we trust that you've ordained it. You've ordained this week. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in the lives of our students um, as we're down there and to do an immeasurably wonderful work deep inside of us, things that we can't yet fathom, things we don't yet understand. But God, we trust you. We're coming to be with you. In your mighty name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Excited for our students. Please keep them in prayer. Uh, we're passionate about this next generation. And we believe strongly that Scripture says that we're supposed to pour into the next generation um, because uh, it's our responsibility to make sure that they don't go away from Christ. Amen? And so we're very passionate about that. So uh, real quick, happy Father's Day. Uh, want, want to do something today for you guys. Uh, we want to celebrate fathers. We, we just want to celebrate all men in the room too. And, and I'll tell you why. There are men in this room, there are uncles, there are men in this room, there are friends, there are men in this room that are mentors. And we believe strongly, whether or not you have your own children or you don't have your own children, that God has called you men to help raise up the next generation. And so uh, whether that is going to ever be by your own flesh and blood or by simply mentoring somebody else, uh, we believe that you have that mantle uh, on you. And so uh, Paul actually says this to Timothy and Titus. He kind of calls them uh, the, the, the spiritual sons in his life. He actually says sons in faith. In 1 Corinthians 4, he says this, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And really what his heart is saying, he says, therefore I urge you to imitate me. What, he, what he's saying is you two young men, I just want you to watch the way that I'm, that I'm chasing after Jesus Christ, that I'm going after him with everything I have. And, and in that, I want you to imitate that in your life. And I think we need a lot of men to raise up and say, imitate the way I pursue the Lord. Which means men, we gotta what? Pursue the Lord, right? So it, it's, it goes both ways. And so I wanna pray over you guys today. And I wanna say this too, because today we're gonna be addressing some father, uh, the, the, the model father as God. Uh, I wanna address this. If you've had some father issues, some, some daddy issues in your life, I, I want you to understand, I, I know that happens. We've messed things up. Some of us have had horrible situations with dad. Some of us had unspeakable things with dads. So I want to be gentle with that and say this. When we talk about this, we're not talking about earthly fathers who've messed it up, amen? We're not talking about earthly fathers who are broken vessels. We're talking about the perfect father, the one who transcends anything that we think is even good within ourselves. We're talking about God. And so just want you to know when we talk about that, if that brings up, stand up in the room, let's go. All men in the room, stand up. I know you guys are like, why are you making me do this? But we're gonna do it anyway. Stand on up here. And uh, if you're around them and you family or just friend, you wanna kind of put a hand out towards them, would you do that? Just wanna pray over you guys today, if we can. Father, on this, on this Father's Day Sunday, Jesus, we declare that you're the perfect model, that you are the perfect Father, um, that we, we want to do everything we can to imitate you. And you gave us the representation of your Son in Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that we would become uh, men that are deep-seated in our faith and relationship with you, that everything we do, we, we don't just go to work to go to work. We don't just have hobbies to have hobbies. Everything that we do in our life is simply to point to your glory. 
I pray, Jesus, that this next generation would see a generation of men raise up like never before in desperate pursuit of Jesus Christ. We would not back away, we would not shy away from that, God, but we would be bolder than ever before. And Lord, that we would truly put a stake in this generation and say, they will not go away from the Father's heart. So God, I'm praying over these men that are standing in this room on this Father's Day. Thank you for those who are physical fathers, those who are mentors, those who are friends, whatever it may be. I pray that you would help these fathers, Lord, in their life to know when mistakes come and mess ups come, which they will, that their goal, Jesus, isn't that they're gonna be perfect within themselves, but they look to the perfect one, and that's you. Break every lie in this room that somehow we've jacked it all up. Break every lie in this room that somehow, God, if there's a father standing today, that, that he'll ne he, he messed his kids up, he can't ever change that. We break that lie in the name of Jesus. And we claim, Father, that you can do all things. Thank you for these men today on this Father's Day Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give them a hand, church? All right, well, I, I wanna talk a little bit about the model father today on this Father's Day Sunday. Um, I wanna first and foremost, I just wanna focus on us getting into, buying into, really diving into the reality of God the Father that scripture talks about. It's interesting to me, actually, because I think one of Satan's kind of greatest schemes or tricks is that he wants to derail the idea of a good father. I think that Satan is really bound in this. I think that he wants to derail the idea of a good father because if we have a good father, or if we understand what a good father is and we associate a good father with Father God in heaven, then we are gonna be drawn into a deeper intimacy with God. And I'll talk about that here in just a minute. And so I think that Satan would like to actually derail that. And this isn't uniquely an American thing. I had a chance to go to Guatemala uh, uh, last October and we were in Guatemala City, millions of people, and the pandemic that I saw in Guatemala, there was horrible, horrible slums there. there I mean, people just li lived on top of the dump there. One of the largest dumps in, in South America, people lived on top of the dump. The horrible drugs, gangs, violence, um, one of the deadliest cities at one point in the world, but I would say the pandemic wasn't any of those things. The pandemic was fatherless homes. We went just like literally from one slum to the next, door to door to door in these little shacks. You'd six, seven, eight kids. You'd see a mom sometimes, usually it was raised by um, the older siblings, no father in the house. These were just fatherless homes. And, and I'm telling you, you go all over the world and you'll see the same thing. You'll see where there's so many places where there's just fatherless homes. And so I believe that Satan loves that because it, it, it helps us to paint a picture that God is up there, he's disinterested with us, amen, church? And so this is a lie that the enemy wants us to buy into. He wants us to buy into this idea that fathers are just out, that they're just not that big of a deal. In fact, this is kind of the life cycle it feels like when we grow up as well, depending on the kind of father that you had. I remember uh, four years old, man, just arguing with other kids that their daddy's the best, and I screw anything up, amen? Four years old, I'm listening to my kids argue with other kids that their daddy's the best. And I'm like, yeah, keep saying it, right? Like I'm giving them like fodder. Like say this, say how awesome I am here, right? Then all of a sudden you kind of hit that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. And then it's like, my dad knows a lot. He just doesn't know everything, right? And then you get into the teens, you know, 13, 16, 17, 18, and they turn the corner and basically it's dude, you're old school, right? 
Like, you, you really don't know anything. This is my 15-year-old and I. This is where we butt heads the most, all right? Parents, do I hear an amen to that? Like, they know everything. I've apparently lived in a bubble my whole life. And so we battle in these things. Then you get to 18 and 21, kind of that stage of life, and it's, look, I appreciate everything you've done, but Dad, I've got this. Just kind of stay clear of my life. I'm going to forge my own way. I'm going to make my own path in life. Then you kind of get to that 25 plus, and then you start to kind of hear like, I'm going to call dad and see what he thinks about this. It's like we're, cutting, like we're turning the corner. 40 plus, you get to that stage of going, man, my dad really did know everything. <laughs> right? You get, you're like, wow, like I need to find out more of what he knew. And then kind of that 60s and older, if you don't have your parents around anymore, you get to that place going, man, if I just have one more day to talk to him. Just one more, more day. We're, we're, we're a society that's searching for a model father. We, like we're soci- looking for a father's heart. And it's not until we come to this reality of, of true fatherhood and, and that it was really never about us, but it was always about him. It was always about him, that he's the, the perfect model. And look, we're all different in how we approach him in, in, in ways. Some of us are a little bit more reserved, some of us a little more aggressive. I think about my own kids, I have four kids, two, two boys and two girls. The way that I approach my boys is different than the way I approach my girls. The way my boys show love to me is different than the way my girls show love to me. My boys try to choke me out to tell me they love me, right? Right, I mean, we're, we're, we're throwing each other down on the ground, right? They're screaming as we're you know, wrestling around and they're like, he loves me, he really loves me, right? My, my girls, especially, you know, are a little bit different where, you know, my, my little girl, she's like, Daddy, will you color with me for 10 hours, right? And, and, you know, Taylor may say, Dad, I got, you know, 10 new outfits and me and Mom bought all matching ones. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, right? But it's a way in which we're trying to show love to one another. And everybody's different in that. But the way in which we find that love is just, is different. And so here's God looking at all of his creation, knowing that we're different is different at times. How we proceed in, in approaching him and, and just our, just the way that we show love is different at times. And yet his love as a perfect father transcends all of those things. So, so here's what I want to accomplish today, just real quickly. One is I, I want you to buy into, yes, God is savior through Jesus Christ. yes. God is Savior through Jesus Christ. Scripture talks all about that. I want you to buy into our God as a king, okay? When we say sovereign, like he lets us work these paths out, kind of the prodigal, got to sometimes work it out. But when we run home, he's there, amen? So he's sovereign and he rules over all. There's no one greater than him. He's got a throne room that, I mean, is the epicenter of worship and glory and it all goes to him. Nobody takes his glory. I want you to know that. So he is savior and he is absolutely king, but scripture is riddled with this idea that God is father as well. And not a distant father. And here's why this is so important. If all we see is that God is Savior, he's the guy that throws the, 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 the life ring out there, the, 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 the life vest out there, and then just reels us in every now and again, and we feel secure in that, but there's still a distance there, if that's all he is. If he's king, then he's the God that sets up there on the throne, and he's distant like, man, that's the king, and I can't approach him. Like, he reigns and rules over all, but that's awesome, but he's up there on this throne, and what does that look like for me? But if he's father, that draws him near in intimacy. That draws him closer to us in our hearts of going, yeah, he is my savior, and he is my king, but he is deeply seated as a father in my life. 
It's an intimacy that I think sometimes in the church, sometimes in the Christian community, we lack. And I'll tell you why. It's really bent even on the old school mentality of how we viewed religions in, 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 the, old, in the old days. I'm talking about like Old Testament. What they knew is that they had, and we've talked about this so many times, they had to work really hard, they had to sacrifice, and that somehow their working and sacrifice, keeping the law, would somehow balance this thing out that God loved them. So all of a sudden, New Testament breaks in, New Testament breaks in, Jesus comes, lays his life down on the cross, dies for our sins, destroys the enmity, the hostility, we talked about this last week, between us and God, destroys that, brings us into right relationship with God. So then as the disciples and the believers are going around and trying to tell the Greeks and other people that are out there about this God, their mentality is, so what do we have to do? Because their idea of God is Zeus up there with a lightning bolt disinterested in humanity, but ready to throw a lightning bolt if you screw up. Their idea of God is that you've got to make certain sacrifices for somehow God to love you. And all of a sudden, this Christian message of God is coming in through Jesus Christ, that God loves you despite you, that God wants you despite you that all of your best attempts are still worthless rags compared to a holy God. And that drives us crazy in humanity, doesn't it? It's like, if, you don't, if I don't have my list, how do I know if I'm measuring up? Because he tells you you measure up through Jesus Christ. And so this is really kind of wrecking havoc, and people are like, well, I want that, but what do I have to do? <laughs> you have to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord, and say, right? So, it's, it's this kind of dynamic that nobody had really experienced before. And so when they began to experience, they began to receive a radical love that no other religion could measure up to. A radical love that no other God could compare to. And because of that, first century church blew up. Thousands and thousands of people daily coming into relationship with Jesus. Why? Because they're finding that it's not based on their own abilities, but it's based on him. So here this model of a good father begins to be poured out. In John 20, verse 17, Jesus gives these words to Mary. He says, go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father. Somebody say, your father. He wants to make very clear in their hearts that he's going to his father in this transition from Old Testament to New Testament. You don't see a lot in the Old Testament where God is called father. He's Yahweh, he's supreme, he's the king, he's over all these things. But all of a sudden, Jesus begins to really kind of cement this idea in the New Testament that, that, that God is our father. And so he says, I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. And so really what this means for you, that statement alone is that you can go around and truly mean this when you say my daddy's bigger than your daddy, amen? <laughs> oh, your dad can rip a phone book, mine can split the sea, right? So it, it's this idea of getting us to buy into who God is in our life. Yes, he's king supreme, yes, He's savior overall, but yes, he's deeply and intimately involved like a father would be. When you begin to look through the New Testament, this is what you revisit over 
and over and over. Jesus talking about being saved through him, that he's going to return and, and he's going to go up to, to heaven where his father is preparing a house. He uses this language, in my father's house there are many rooms. He's transitioning this thing into a family belonging moment. This is his language. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not true, I would not say that. He's getting us to see a picture of a family, not a jacked up earthly family, amen, that some of us have been a part of at times in our life. He wants us to get that out of our minds and begin to focus on him in a perfect family. And so this is a family that's fully mended, blended and mended together through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why there's only one way this happens, through him. There's not lots of paths to him. There's one way through Jesus Christ. Now, this is important for us to know because this becomes then the language of the New Testament writers. This is what they got. So Paul, if you guys have your Bibles, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, Paul talking about what it looks like to live in the spirit, what it looks like to be co-heirs with Christ, what it looks like for the future that's coming, gives us this word in Romans chapter eight, starting with verse 14. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit, language today, God, are sons of God. Somebody say sons of God. Now, I want you to hear this language today, ladies. If that kind of trips you up a little bit, this was the language of the day. This includes you. This idea of sonship is talking about Jesus in us, the Son of God in us. Therefore, we are all in this room sons of God, okay? Does that make sense? Sonship is this idea of sons and daughters in God through Jesus Christ. So when he talks about this, I want you to know that language is for you. He says, you were led by the Spirit of God and are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Somebody say adoption. You received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We're going to talk about that someday, not today, though. But here's what he's saying. His spirit testifies with our spirit. We've been marked in our hearts that we belong to God, and the way that we're marked is with a spirit of adoption. We've been brought in. It's big language. This is the New Testament church. It's big language that you were once far away that now you're near. It's the message of reconciliation we've been talking about for two weeks, that you were once in enmity and hostility towards God that now you've been brought in. Now listen to why this is so important because Paul will go on in Galatians 4 and tell us the exact same thing. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, talking about Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that, somebody say so that. So he's telling us, Jesus came, we know, Jesus proclaimed, set the captives free. I'm gonna set those in bondage that have been in bondage, I'm gonna set them free. I'm gonna give sight to the blind. Jesus told us his, his statement when he came, but listen to what it says. It says that Jesus comes to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Twice Paul tells us this word, Abba, Father. It's the language that Jesus used when he cried out to his father. 
Let me tell you why this is so fascinating to me. Because when you read that in Galatians 4, we have to come into agreement. We have to come into alignment with the word of God. We've got to come into alignment that, yes, he's Savior, yes, he's King, but he is deeply Father in our hearts. Because you and I, we're going to wage war at times against King Jesus in the aspect of going, he tells me to do this, but everything in me wants to do this. We're going to wage war in, in our hearts sometimes going, man, I know he saved me, but sometimes I struggle with giving him troll and all that kind of stuff. Look, I'm just telling you, I don't know how you grew up, but I did not wage war with my father very often. And if I did, <laughs> he put me, right? In other words, when we begin to get the father's heart for us, and we begin to read stories like the prodigal son, we begin to read the stories of scripture that really speak to our heart, the Samaritan woman at the well, we don't see some God who steps down for a moment that says, yeah, I'm interested in you for a moment. We see a God who's been watching us from the time before we were even knit together in our mother's womb. A God who's had his eyes on you. A God who knows all about you. A God who could tell you every, a God who could tell you every thought in your life. A God who could tell you every hair that you have on your head. A God who could tell you every single thing about you. He's deeply, deeply, deeply invested in you. So this theme that Paul is building complements the teachings of Jesus, where Jesus is talking about his father's house and rooms, he's coming back, and we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and all these things that Jesus talks about. And what this does is it takes our Christianity then from being just saved to belonging to his family. Look, I can throw out all day long, Jesus wants to save you, Jesus wants to save you, Jesus wants to save you, but to a world that's broken and lost, that doesn't mean much to them. But to a world that's broken and lost, looking for belonging, this means the world to them. Yes, Jesus wants to save you, but he wants you to belong. He wants you in. He wants to adopt you as sons and daughters of the living king. It's language that I think at times we miss out on, and so therefore the world pushes back because they're going, you want to control me. You just want to give me a king to control me. You just want to give me a savior to control me. Yes, I want to give you those things because scripture says that we're ministers of reconciliation, but what I really want you to do is capture the heart of a father who's for you and wants to bring you in. Now, here's the cool thing with that. He uses this word Abba. So the shift in our language that we make kind of Old Testament to new is that we cry out Abba, Father. Abba is that Aramaic word. It's an intimate word that children use when they say daddy. So, so not just dad, not just hey, father, not just hey, dad, but daddy. It brings it to this intimate place. We compare it with that. It brings it to this infinite place to say this perfect, holy, sovereign, amazing God, just full of, of, of holiness, looking at me and my imperfection and my messiness and my failures and my brokenness, and he's telling me, Aaron, call me Abba Father. Call me Daddy because I've adopted you in. It changes the way that I approach the Lord. So the love that he gave to us through Jesus Christ was yes, a salvation love and a kingship love, but it was deeply a father's love. So what does this mean then for us? Real quickly, what does this mean for us? There's two things as a father, just an earthly father that I really desire for my kids. And there's thousands of things that I desire for them, but there's two things I feel kind of responsibility over at many times. One is provision and one is protection. 
Like I wanna provide, I wanna protect my kids. There's a thousand things that can be found in those two things, but those are two things that are deeply seated in my heart. And, and when you read through scripture, when you begin to see God as father, what you'll see is that he is the God of provision. Like all through Ephesians 3.20, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we can ask or think. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet, supply all your needs according to his riches in Jesus Christ. Matthew 7.11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, will your father, will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? There's this like a mentality that we have that I've gotta create, I've gotta make, I've gotta pull myself up by my bootstraps. If I'm gonna be successful, it's gonna land on me. And if somehow that doesn't work and I fail, then I'm just gonna punish myself. And all of a sudden what this does when we start to see God as Father and that He's our provision is that anything that happens in my life that's good, successful, whatever, is because He's blessed me with it, it wasn't because of me. He's a Father that's just lavishing things on me. And when I go through difficult times in my life, he still loves me, amen? Usually it's because I'm journeying my own way. Many times, though, you look at the Apostle Paul, he walked in obedience and he still struggled in life. But you know what it trained him up for? It trained him up not to keep his eyes on this world, but to keep his eyes on his father. Second thing that we, we, we said is that it's, he's, he becomes the protector. He's provision, he's protector as well. Proverbs 2, 7 through 8 says, he holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Protects the way of his faithful ones. Church, I want you to hear that at the end of the day, I don't care what in the world is happening. I don't care all the drama that takes place in our world. At the end of the day, God is our protector, and he's the one who holds the power of life and death because he's the one who's numbered your days. Amen? And so I, I, it's important when he's father that these two things are deeply ingrained in your life. Now, let me just say this then. So what does this mean practically for us? As men and women, and I'm going to share it to both. I think it's men and women. What does this mean for us practically? There's two things that we see in scripture. We see men that rise up and we see men that can't be found. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul gives a word to the men of the church and he says this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Somebody say, act like men. Be strong, let all you do be done in love. So Paul's saying, it's time to rise up, it's time to be faithful, it's time to know what our calling is in life. Men, you need to rise up, and he says, and act like men. But then we see this other, kind of other side that scripture talks about in Ezekiel 22 where it says, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land. Time for men to rise up and know who they found none. So you've got this call of Paul of going, it's time for men to rise up and know who they are in Christ. And you've got this other side of going, I've sought out men and, and to find, who's gonna stand in the gap? I didn't find any. And I'm just gonna tell you, this is where we're at today. Church, this is where we're at today. There's this calling to rise up. And I think the Lord's kind of scout, who's, who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? And there's many of us that are kind of sitting back going, I hope it's not me, right? Like somebody else, get up. We need godly men, we need godly women sold out to this idea that our role now that we're reconciled, uh, we have ministry of reconciliation in our life, that we're ambassadors for Christ, 
We need godly men and women to stand up and know that what we're trying to bridge in this thing is for people to understand that they're coming into God through sonship, through adoption. So I'm not gonna take shots today, except for one. (laughs) We got a lot of men, we got a lot of men, we got a lot of young boys, and I'm just gonna speak to men for just a minute, and young boys, we got a lot of us that wanna be awesome at Call of Duty. We want our Fortnite points to go up, however that works. I hate that game, right? We, 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 we're gonna spend our time doing that. I'm, not, I'm trying to take shots, I'm just simply telling you. We wanna be awesome at Call of Duty when the Lord is calling us to be awesome at His duty. And so something in us has to stir to say, I'm willing to put things down and invest in the next generation. And this isn't just for men. I'm telling you women, same thing. Something within us is saying, we are not gonna let this thing go by the wayside. We're gonna receive this identity of God the Father in our life, not just Lord, not just King, but, but, and not just Savior, but God the Father in our life. And then we're gonna pursue others and pour into others and mentor others in this same identity of belonging in the family of God. And how do we do that? We cultivate. Somebody say cultivate. Cultivate means we got to till some things up. We got to get the rake out, actually break some, some, some hard ground. It's not going to come easy. We cultivate the soil around us, which is our families, which is our neighborhoods, which is our friends, which is our workplaces. We cultivate the soil around us, and once we cultivate the soil around us, then we begin to produce things that are going to be fruitful in their life. And I can tell you, if you want to know what those things are, you just got to get the word of the Lord open. Get the word of the Lord open. He'll begin to download what those things may look like. I read a quote that, I man, just cut me to the heart a few years ago as a father. Five, ten years ago, I read this. Here's what it says. It was, a, it was a confession of a father, is, is what it was entitled. Here's the sad confession of a father. I took my children to school, but not to church. I taught them to drink, but not drink of the living water. I enrolled them in little league, but not Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but not to be fishers of men. I made the Lord's day a holiday rather than a holy day. I taught them that church was full of hypocrites and made the greater hypocrite of them and me. I gave them a TV, but provided no Bible. I handed them the keys to the car, but not, not give them the keys to the kingdom of God. I taught them how to make a living, but failed to bring them to Christ, who's the one who can make them alive. I remember reading that, and there's little babies, more little babies at the time, 10 years ago, and just feeling cut to the heart of going, man, I'm so focused on sports. They're gonna, you know, I, t- I tell you, they're gonna play in the NFL. Not probably gonna happen, right? But like. Like, I focused my life on these things, not realizing that at the end of the day, the most important things is cultivating the things that are eternal. We're chasing something that's eventually going to fade away. I say that because I I looked up the top 100 things that every man should know. So I'm not going to read those. The top 100 things that every man should know. You know, you know what? Like half of them were. It was need to know how to build a fire. Uh, how to take care of a snake bite. There's a lot of things like where men were getting hurt in this list, by the way. Um, you know, it was all about doing things that someday will fade away. And I'm all for it. Change the type, do those things. We need to know this. But there wasn't one thing on that list that I read that says you need to get the love of the Lord in their hearts. 
You need to teach them and train them in the word of the Lord. You need to inspire them in faith. They need to look at you and say, that man loves the Lord. My father, my father, he was, a, a, he, like, he knew how to discipline. I'm just telling you right now. He knew how to discipline. But when we would talk about the Lord, it wasn't because he was a pastor. He was a pastor, and so we grew up as pastor's kids. When he would tell us about the love of the Lord, tears would stream up in his eyes, and he would say, the Lord saved me at 19. And from 19 on, I've had a love affair with Jesus. It was never about ministry. It was never about preaching. It was never about leading a church. It was that he locked in to a father that he had a love affair with that loved him. And broken family, youth pastor for years and college minister for years. I watched kids come in, broken families, fatherless homes, drugs, alcohol, addiction, watched them flood into the church. And there was always something in their heart that they wanted. They wanted a place to belong and somebody that would love them. And sometimes loving them meant that I had to hammer time on them with discipline, amen? But they responded because they knew it was from love. So I I challenge the church today with this. Band, you guys can come up. I challenge you with this. It's time to cultivate this idea of God the Father in our hearts that draws us into him. Not distant, not up there, not somewhere out there, not, well, he's around, deeply, intimately integrated in your life. And then once you cultivate that in your own heart, then it's time to take that and cultivate and till up the land around you. Because there are eyes watching you every single day from your homes, your neighborhoods, your workplaces, your little league games, whatever. And they need somebody. They need somebody to speak the Father's heart into them. Somebody. So I want to pray over you. Ryan's got a word. Before, yeah, I just felt uh, prompted, and uh, she's been with us three and a half years. Um, We've walked through adoption with um, our daughter, Lila, and uh, she's been with us three and a half years. And I just, as Aaron was sharing, I just was reminded, um, I think there's, there's men and, and women as well, but living in shame of like, I, I know God calls us to rise up, and, but I'm just not worthy. I mean, I've screwed it up. I continue to screw it up. And I just remember when we got Lila, it was in November, and, um, and, and Christmas comes around, and me and Bree were going to go get presents for our kids. And we said, hey, we're going to go get presents, kids. And I just remember Lila, she looked and she says, well, do I get presents too? And I just thought, I mean, how heartbreaking. And so we sat her down. We said, well, Lila, are you part of our family? Well, yeah. Then you'll get presents. Yeah, we, we love you. We'll get presents. And so she got presents that Christmas. And, and then come around September, you know, she was, she was working it into the family and wonder, trying to understand what that meant to belong. And then comes August and September. And it comes to school time. She was going to go into to kindergarten. And um, the teacher said, well, uh, you know, Delilah Jones. And she goes, no, I'm a Wallace. She goes, well, it says you're Delilah. I'm a Wallace. I'm a Wallace. And like, you know, it was getting really irritated and angry. And uh, the teacher shared that with us. And we, we said, yes, she is a Wallace. Uh, it's not official. The adoption hasn't gone through officially yet on the state records, but we're working towards that. And so it's amazing, though, that, that, that Lila declared and knew who she was. Now, it took some time. You know, it took some months of going from, well, am I going to get presents too? Do I belong? To, no, I am a Wallace. Darn it. And so sometimes I think as Christians, we just need to tell the enemy, we are sons and daughters of God. Like, that is who I am. And so I just, I, I just feel I know there's, there's I, I've lived under shame as a father before. I've lived under guilt as a father. And so, well, I'm just not good enough. I'm screwing it up, right? 
and uh, there's grace for the month or so. You know, we've had some conversations like, oh, man, I just feel like a terrible parent right now, right? And uh, there's grace for that, and I'm so thankful for that. But I just, I just feel as Aaron prays, man, receive that. Men and women of God, receive that. You are a son of God. I am a son of God. I am a son of God. And if you have to yell that in your car, you have to yell that at home, feel free to. You tell Satan, if you put him in his place, I am a daughter, I am a son, the living God, walking in the full inheritance of who he's called me to be. So I just wanted to share that. I hope that's for somebody. Receive that this morning as Aaron prays. Amen. Good word, Ron. Appreciate that. And yeah, amen. So pray over you. We're going to sing this song out. Lance, we also do the part that says we've been liberated. Because I think there's a liberation of freedom from our own thinking of who God is out there, distant, big guy in the sky to this. We want to bring him in in this relationship that scripture talks about that he's near. He's with you, he's walking with you. So I just wanna pray over you, just receive this today. Father, uh, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are King Jesus. We thank you that you are King Jesus, night and day, day and night, your word says, there are elders that stand around you, God, and all of heaven rejoice and they cast their, their crowns down and they just, they just cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We thank you that you are King Jesus. We thank you that you sent Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. We thank you that through your death and resurrection, Jesus, that you saved us from imminent death. We thank you for that. But Lord, I thank you also that you are Father, that even Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray to God, our Father who art in heaven. So Lord, this morning I pray that we capture that in our hearts. And as that begins to just really burn inside of us, then Father, I pray that we are driven, compelled, just we have a desire within us to share the love of the Father's heart with every single person that we meet, that they belong. So may our cry be today, we are sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters of the living God. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. We got to stand. We'll close out with this last song together. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.